0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, my name is Lo Alleman. It is a joy and a privilege and a blessing to be here uh, with you guys. Uh, Hope is my fam for real. I'm not sure if y'all have had the chance to meet Hope, but she's like my favorite thing on y'all's campus so far. Uh, she's really fantastic. Uh, I come from Mississippi, and I live in Texas now because uh, I like humidity and heat and stuff like that. Um, and Whataburger. I'm not sure if y'all know what that is, but it's it's amazing. Um, and yeah, like she said, I have a beautiful chocolate wife. I have um, a t- almost two-year-old now. It sounds crazy to say. I got a little boy on the waist. I'm a baby's daddy. Uh, I'm a husband. Uh, I get to share the ministry of Jesus in a church, uh, which is pretty awesome. And um, I'm your fam, uh, just a brother who loves you guys and would love to share with you guys uh, how God has blessed my life with the story of the gospel. Um, Share some poems with y'all, share some stories with you guys. Uh, Before we even get started, if you are down, I'd love to pray again uh, and just ask that the Holy Spirit would uh, fill us this morning. Um, I remember being a college kid. On a Monday morning, and you guys are significantly more awake than I was. Um, and I, I feel like there is a, a way in which I still kind of carry some of that drag. I um, I flew here. What time was I get here? Twelve this morning. Twelve, and in, and went to sleep at like one. Um, so I'm awake-ish, but I feel like I I, I could use some spirit <laughs> filling me right now. So I'm gonna pray. Ask you guys to do me a favor. Uh, assume a posture. If you'll open your hands, I'm um, gonna pray a really simple prayer, and that is, Abba, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Uh, We pray, speak into this space. Uh, We pray, still us, open us, let us hear you, come. We breathe in this morning, we breathe out this morning, and it is completely by grace that we do so. We have life because of you. We just pray that you would give us that life in the full as you promised in John 10, 10. Holy Spirit, come enliven us, animate us, and fill us with your glory that we might bring glory to you. It is in your name, Abba, that we pray. Amen. Uh, So before working in ministry, I I lived in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, doing part-time student ministry at a church. And I was also an artist. And I'm not sure if you guys know uh, how money works, but I was broke. um, Because student ministry part-time and artistry stuff, like not a great combination to be rolling in the dough. And so I worked several odd jobs to make sure I can keep my family like afloat. Favorite of those jobs, hands down, was I was the after-school program director at uh, a school called Regents. Uh, basically, all I had to do was make sure that these kindergartners and fifth-grade kids do their homework and have fun on the playground. Pretty easy job, right? I was amazing at this job, not because I was great at helping kids do their homework, but I'm your boy on the playground. Like, I got you. A little kid named Jimmy comes up to me and says, Mr. Low, can I do a backflip off the monkey bars? I say, you only live once, Jimmy. Show me what you got. Let them have all the fun they want to do. Uh, I'm kind of like a big kid myself, and so it was a great job for me. Uh, and so one day, this kid named Lily Kate came to me, and she said, Mr. Lowe, I hear that you do a good job of pushing kids on a swing. I said, Lily Kate, Kate uh, you heard correct. I'm that guy when it comes to pushing kids on the swing. She said, would you push me? I said, of course. She sits down, the pushing commences. I give her a good rev up, a good introductory push. She goes up in the air. She swings back, and as she's swinging back, she has time to say, You don't push as hard as people say you do. That's really disrespectful. Um, But I got you. No problem. I'm not not upset about it. I gave her a little harder push this next time. Make sure she feels my presence. She knows I'm a man, right? She goes up in the air. She swings back and she's like, "Mm, I've had better. I said, okay, little white baby. So I take her. And I shove her kind of hard. A little aggression behind her. Her hair blows in the wind. She goes up pretty high. She swings back and she's like, my mom pushes harder than you. So I take Lily Kate and I shove that heifer as high into the air as I possibly can. Give her everything I got. She goes flying. I don't know if you guys remember the playground much, but if you get high enough, remember like there'd be like give in the chain, like you're up so high, gravity and suspended you for a little while. She goes up in there, I'm kind of proud of myself. I'm like, boy, you did that, that was pretty good. I bet she's gonna have some respect on my name. She comes down, I bet she's gonna act right. Respect me as an adult kid. She comes down, falls off the swing, boom, lands on her back and all the little kids in the playground go, ooh, and I'm like, oh, I'm fired. And we're in Oxford, Mississippi, like James Meredith town, not the best place for a black guy to hurt a little white kid. So I'm kind of scared, a little nervous. Um, and I don't know what to do, because like I have to watch all the other little kids in the playground, but I got to make sure the little kid is okay, so. I don't know how to like make sure everybody's fine on the playground while I get her. So I scoop her up. I say, kids, nobody move. Nobody do anything. I'm about to leave in here. Don't do anything wrong or you're next. And I take her inside to find an ice pack. Now, I don't know if there's like a special adult freezer, but I cannot find any ice packs all over the stinking school. But what I do find is six banana flavored popsicles. So I take a rubber band strap those bad boys together. I come back to Lily Kate and I say, hey chick, I know you're hurting, um, but bad news, we don't have any ice packs, any regular ones that I can find. And she starts wailing. She's like, ah, I'm hurting so much. My parents are pressing charges. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, slow down, slow down. Um, If it'll help you out, make you feel better, and you don't tell anybody, I can give you a special ice pack that you can eat. And it's banana flavored. And she goes, ah, ooh, banana flavor. And I'm like, yes, are you good? She's like, I'm good. I said, you won't tell anybody? She's like, I won't tell anybody. Are we straight. She says, I'm straight. I give her the ice pack. She puts it on her back for 0.2 seconds, eats all the popsicles, goes outside. My job should be saved. It's a great day. Only problem is, Lily okay, K can't keep a secret. And as soon as I walk outside, all the little kids are coming up to me saying, ah, Mr. Lowe, I stubbed my toe. Ah, Mr. Lowe, I caught a headache. Ah, Mr. Lowe, I got coronavirus for coronavirus. I need you to help me. Give me an ice pack that I can eat. Kiwi strawberry flavor if you got it. Now, these kids are treating me like a paramedic slash ice cream truck guy. And the frustrating thing is that I couldn't put Lily Kay back on my swing to teach her another lesson, but I learned something in that day. At this time, I'm doing ministry with middle school and high school kids. And there was a stark difference between these kids and the kids I was doing ministry with. Because these kids, kindergarten to fifth grade, had no problem at all telling you when they were hurting, when they were upset, when something was wrong with them, when they were bothered, when they were in pain. They shared easily. My middle school kids almost rarely talked about their feelings. It was really a rare thing for them to go below the surface and to share what was really going on in their hearts. It was a rarity to hear what was actually the things that they were wrestling with. And the kids I ministered to in high school was like a ghost town of emotions. And it was almost impossible to get anything out of them. I had to spend years building relationships and years pouring into them before they can be real with me and tell me what was really going on in their lives. Their culture had conditioned them Their school, their friends that condition them, that being honest with what you're carrying is not welcome. Before leaving San Antonio, I was actually doing ministry with college kids, and it was the same thing, maybe a little bit worse. That there's such a need to put on a facade, to put on a face, to hide behind some mask, that it's rare that we have spaces in our world where we can be fully who we are, fully known and fully loved. It's rare that we have spaces where we can say, I'm hurting, I'm upset. And bothered. And there's a promise that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 5 verse 4. He says, "Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted." Mourning and hurting are not quite the same thing. To mourn is to give voice and volume to the things that are upsetting you. It's to cry out, to lament, to say, "God, I'm not okay." And the promise of Jesus is that when we mourn, when we lament, when we give that to God, he has comfort for us. He has grace and a balm of healing for us. But when our culture conditions us not to say anything, to put on a front, a Christian front at that, then we rob ourselves the opportunity to receive comfort. And when Jesus says you receive comfort, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, that we have to be honest with God and vulnerable with God and open with God to even receive his spirit inside of us. And so any culture that conditions us with shame, any culture that conditions us to hide who we are from God, it's not the way of Jesus. It's not the work of the Spirit. We actually get a good picture of what this looks like in Genesis chapter 3. You guys know the story. God makes a really cool world. Genesis 1 makes some cool people to hang out. And at the very end of the chapter, says, you guys are made in my image and my likeness. You have a job to do. Go take the ground and do cool stuff with it. And then God tells man, hey, it's not good for you to be alone. So he makes a relationship between him and the woman, both made in God's image. It's a great story. Genesis 2, he also says, hey, I have instruction for you guys. Don't eat this fruit, but you have all this other fruit you can eat from. This is three rolls around. What happens? They hear another story. Their eyes are opened up to not seeing themselves the way that God called them. Not seeing each other as God's children. Not even seeing God as a loving father. Seeing that something to fear and to hide from. Their eyes are opened and they see through a different lens. When they start seeing through a different lens, when sin enters the story, innocence is robbed. They become Figures of shame as opposed to bearers of the image of God. And we all know what this feels like. I have a godson. His name is Joey. Joey is about four or five years old now. Uh, When he was one, he was the cutest little chocolate baby you've ever seen. Beautiful little dude. He would come over to the house. And when he first came to visit us, he was kind of nervous about being around us without his parents being there. And we would watch him. And Joey's a weird kid. Like I love him to death, but he's super weird. To To know that he's comfortable, it's this thing. He takes his clothes off. And so when he first comes up, he's Eskimo baby, like jacket on, everything. And I put on backyard against him. He was like, oh, you like backyard against? Takes off his jacket. I give him some goldfish. He's like, oh, this is my homie. Takes his shirt off. By the time we get to like Fruit Loops and, and, and Fruity Pebbles, like we're best friends, he's running around my house butt booty naked. Like he's at home. And that's cool because he's innocent. A little cute chocolate butt running my house. I don't really mind that because he's one years old. Now, we all know if Joey's still doing that at 17, there's a problem, right? Joy can't come over because something has been robbed from us. The story has been tainted with sin. When sin enters the story, innocence leaves and we're no longer able to see things as innocent and pure and holy. Something is taken from us when sin enters the story. And this does not go away in our world just because of the work of Jesus. It takes us opening our eyes, opening our hearts and accepting that work of Jesus, coming vulnerable to him being able to see the work of the spirit, mourn, lament, say, God, I have sin in my life. I confess it. I repent from it. Let the spirit begin to work in my heart. Let my eyes be open to seeing the way that you've called me, to seeing the world the way that you've called it, to seeing you as a good father. Jesus gives language for this in Matthew chapter six, verse 22 to 23. And I love the language that he uses. He says that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? He says the eyes are the lens with which you see the world through. How you look at the world, how you look at yourself will determine what fills you. And we all know people that are always happy no matter what's happening in their lives. They just have a weird sense of peace. Have you met hope? Happy kid. No matter what, no matter what's happening in the world, if their eyes are tuned to the goodness of God, the grace of God, they're filled with a joy that almost can't be explained. We also know people who, no matter how great things may seem around them, they're still negative. Still have something to bicker about. Never content, always frustrated. Something's always wrong. That's because their eyes aren't healthy. And in this text, Jesus is not using right or wrong. He's using unhealth. And health. He wants wellness for you. He wants grace for you. And the kind of ministry he's calling you to carry, the calling on your life is not to tell people they're right or wrong. It's to help people see clearly the goodness of God, the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. How when our eyes are open, we see through the lens of innocence that God has called me his son. and I don't have to earn that. Through the lens of unhealthy eyes, I think I have to work for it. I think I have to try hard. I have to be something that I'm not. I have to wear that mask and be superficial and fake with people. But the working of the Holy Spirit is an invitation that says, come if you're tired, if wearing the mask is getting too much for you. I have grace, I have mercy, I have healing in mind. And this is something that God has always been up to. It's not just like a Jesus thing. Think back on that creation story, what happens? God says he saw something and said it was good. His eyes are attuned in creation to create good things, to see good things. And this continues in his story as God begins to open up people's eyes to what he's doing, opening windows into his heart, into his vision and his plan for the world. He tells Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to take you somewhere, leave this place that you know, leave the place that you've seen to a place you don't see. And he says he has faith and that faith is counted to him as righteousness. That He doesn't see it, but he trusts God's vision. So he gives up the way he sees things for the way God sees things. That's faith. It's counted to him as righteousness. Think of the story in Exodus. Every time God delivers, he says, the enemy you see today, you will not see anymore. But I'm trying to get you to see salvation and deliverance comes from God. No matter what this season may have felt like for you, no matter how difficult and weird COVID may have been, no matter how strange and uncomfortable we may find ourselves in the predicament, God delivers and he's saved and he wants us to see hope to see a future, that things are broken, things are messed up, we're inconvenienced and we can cry out and say, God, we're not comfortable. You ever burp in one of those masks you're wearing? It's not a good feeling. It's not great, there's a weird season that we're in. It's uncomfortable, it's strange. And we can cry out to our God, trusting that he has hope in mind for us to put our eyes on him, to set our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. That's where we see his goodness. And all throughout the scripture, people who see like God, who ask God for his vision, they're given a name. The passage of scripture, First uh, Samuel chapter 9, verse 9, they're looking for the next king, the next anointed. And so as they're asking around, like, who are we going to go to? How are we going to find God's plan, find God's person, find God's anointed? It said so they went to the seers because the prophets of that day were called seers. T- to be prophetic is simply to see like God sees. It's not necessarily like knowing the future or like Harry Potter stuff. Like that's not really what prophecy is in scripture. For scripture, it's simply having God's vision, seeing the way God wants you to see. The anointing of God covers our eyes and we're filled with health, wellness. We get to define things, not by our own definitions of good and evil, but taken from the tree of life, filling us with nourishment. This is actually the promise that Jesus came to fulfill. This is Acts chapter two, verse 17, quoting way way back from Joel. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And what happens when the spirit is poured out on people, your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. They'll be like the seers. They'll be able to see God's intention, see God's hope for the world. He goes on and says, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Like you'll be able to see, your imaginations will be tuned into the goodness of God. God is not just about pouring in Bible studies to us, helping us learn a bunch of things, helping us know a bunch about him. He wants us to see him and to see like him and to share that vision with the world. What the world is desperately in need of is people like you and I to carry a prophetic voice into the world. That doesn't mean that we're like doing weird stuff. Like if you want to do weird stuff, go do weird stuff. Just don't blame Jesus on that. But if you're going to do stuff, it's going and carrying in a new vision, a new hope, a life that's restoring vision. And I'm not sure if you guys know this or not, but that does not just mean that God wants to tell you a bunch of things and give you a bunch of rules. Oftentimes, that's how our culture rejects Christianity. And think about it. Way back in the way back, the colonizer days, you had a bunch of people who came over and they started claiming a manifest destiny as they propagate that, hey, God's telling us to take your land. So we, we use God to justify the massacre of Native Americans. It makes sense why that culture would reject Christianity. Because they're shown a false version of who God is, a false version of God's heart. Think of slave masters using the Bible to propagate and to justify slavery. It would make sense for black folks to reject that because they're shown a poor version of what God is about. Think of weird church scandals where church leadership hides what's going on behind closed doors to keep the doors open, to keep money coming in. It makes sense why our culture would push back against that. That's how we find ourselves in a post-Christian culture because our world is tired of seeing poor images of God. But what happens when we do what Jesus does and says, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. He's given me a new vision of his heart. And the ministry we're called to carry is to carry that vision. Show them what Jesus is really about. Show them what the heart of the Father is really about. It's carrying that vision to the world. Not just a bunch of rules or legality. In fact, if you're reading the Bible for rules or legality, you're probably reading it wrong. Several chapters in scripture, about 43%, are all narrative. Meaning scripture is just trying to tell you a story for just under half of it. 33% of your scriptures is poetry, which is not giving you rules or regulations, it's engaging your emotions and your imagination trying to get you to see something. And then it's under 25% of your scripture is instruction, but it's in the form of letters and epistles. It's all to be taken in context, in relationship and in covenant. So scripture has much to tell us, but it's always trying to pull our attention back to God, pull our hearts, our emotions, our creativity back in line with the Father. You are a seer. You carry the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you carry the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're prophetic, congratulations. It's a gift. And that gift looks like it's fleshed out in different ways for different people. For some, it looks like poetry, looks like art, looks like music. For some, it looks like leading worship. For some, it looks like teaching and having good conversation. For others, it simply just means sharing your story, helping people to see God's goodness through the life that you live. There is a need for us to be prophetic in all areas of life. If you're going to be a construction worker, if you're going to be a dentist, if you're going to be a preacher, whatever you're going to go do, we need prophecy there a fresh vision for what God is up to in life. And there is no better place to have that conversation than here. That as you're about to be sent out into the world, you are gonna be a sent one mean, a carrier of something. What are you gonna carry? The prayer is that you carry a fresh vision of who Jesus is. The prayer is that you carry his anointing. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Romans chapter eight, verse 19. It says, all of creation is groaning in this eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. They're they're, they're yearning for the children of God to be revealed. It's you and I. Creation is waiting for us to show up the way that God sees us. Creation is longing for you to be vulnerable and real and honest about what hurts you, honest about what you cannot stand, honest about what pains you, but also honest about what you celebrate, unafraid to use your gifts, unafraid and unashamed, to share your story with somebody else, to give that fresh vision, to carry the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and be prophetic in areas where we need prophecy. I heard a story the other day uh, about delivery. Uh, There's a lady who's a nurse and she is helping people give birth to babies. And as she's in the delivery room, one of the things that this nurse likes to do is she likes to play music uh, for her people. And she's like, hey, um, lady, what kind of music do you want to hear? I want to give you some hype music. I'll be pushed this kid out. Apparently it's a hard process. I've never done it. Um, Looks like it's a doozy though. And so she's like, what do you want to hear? And the lady says, I want some spy music. She's like, all right. It's quirky. A little strange. Never heard that request before, but I got you. And so she's going through her Spotify and she's trying to find like James Bond and Mission Impossible theme songs to help this lady out. And as the woman's pushing and looking really uncomfortable and using some bad language, the nurse then notices the woman's accent and she's like, oh snap. She said spa music, not spy music. And so the woman wants to be soothed and wants to be calmed and relaxed, not to push her child into the world listening to Mission Impossible. But there was a misunderstanding because she couldn't understand her accent. And I'm not sure if you guys know this, but heaven has a bit of an accent to it. It's not here. God says things from heaven that sound a little weird to us in our context because we don't see it the same way. We don't hear it the same way. Heaven says stuff like you are my beloved and whom I am well pleased. Heaven says you don't have to earn it. You're saved by grace alone through faith alone. Heaven says weird things in our culture that says we have to earn it and work for it and hide and pretend. We don't know how to hear that all the time. Heaven says things like you're made in God's image. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if we don't know how to hear that accent, it sounds funny. It doesn't sit well. But heaven is clearly saying things about you, saying that you are loved and saying that you are desired by God, that there's a call of God on your life and that you are a prophet, that you are a seer. And the more you attune your eyes to hope, to hearing God's voice, to seeing the way he sees things, the world will forever be changed. Creation is groaning, waiting for you to figure this out, to walk in it and to share it with the rest of the world, that you would carry this prophetic voice This is not new for us, just something we've forgotten to see. I took a mission trip uh, back in 2013. Uh, First time I left the country, I went to Nicaragua at the time. Nicaragua was the third poorest country in the world. Uh, I walk there and I see a bunch of abject poverty and trash and a need for us to bring hope to a people. Uh, At least I thought that's what was happening. But as I was there, I realized these people had hope and joy. All of my assumptions about the place were mostly wrong. I thought we were going to come and carry the goodness of God to a place. The goodness of God was already there. We didn't come to give them stuff. We came to partner in the work of the ministry that God was already up to. My goal, they actually realized, oh, God's already at work. And then this time was great. It was fantastic. We went to a rainforest. It was really cool. And we went ziplining with howler monkeys. Not sure if you've ever seen a howler monkey before. It's big as that freaking piano. Huge thing. I got dreads at the time, so I'm swinging through these trees with howler monkeys. I feel like Tarzan. It's an epic moment. I'm wearing this loud orange T-shirt, a purple fanny pack, because that's what you do when you're a thug. You ain't shamed. So I'm swinging through the trees, and it's super fun, and I'm losing my mind because of how cool it is. But I noticed that my tour guide was super unimpressed. Had a really bland face. he'd, He'd seen it before, and so it didn't mean as much to him. Same rainforest, same tree, same howler monkey but his eyes had grown stale to the wonder that was around him. I believe that creation is on to something. It knows that the wonder of God is all around us. And the prayer is that God would give us fresh eyes. That if religion or church or going through the motions has made our eyes stale to the wonder and the miracle of God, maybe we need to ask him, like Mark 10, blind Bartimaeus is saying, Rabbi, I need to see. Refresh my vision, refresh my eyes. Maybe you're up to more than I'm seeing. Maybe I've called the amazing and the miraculous normal. Maybe I've normalized it. The breath that fills me, I'm not earning it. I'm not creating it and yet I am sustained by your spirit and by your power. Help me to see that as a miracle. Maybe I've called the people in my life as regular people as opposed to seeing that they're gifts, image bearers of God who are a blessing to me. Restore my vision. The prayer is that the Holy Spirit would fill and that we become prophetic, that we see the way God sees, that our eyes are attuned to his goodness and his grace. If you guys are down with it, I'm going to share a poem. Y'all cool with that? Come on, fam. The poem is uh, it's, it's something I wrote a little while ago. Uh, it doesn't have a name. I suck at naming my poems, by the way. So if you can think of a name, holler at your boy. Um, the poem is kind of this thing we're talking about. It's about seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. I think I'm breaking this right now. Nope, didn't break it. Just kidding. So the poem is about seeing ourselves the way God sees us um, and recognizing that there is is much to compete uh, with the voice of God, but none is true. Uh, The words of God that he speaks over you, it's not the voice of shame, not the voice of earning. It's the voice that says you are loved dearly. So the poem is pretty much going through all the lists of things that God calls us in scripture. I hope it encourages, hope it opens eyes, hope it blesses. He calls you, he calls you beloved. He makes a song of your life and sings about it. You're like an unforgettable melody lodged in the middle of his heart, like a tune that gets bubblegum stuck underneath the desk of his mind, but this be no grade school love, no. This be that trade heaven for earth type love, that let me leave eternity just to spend time with you type love, that I will crawl onto a cross and break the bread of my body just so that we don't miss a meal together type love, do you hunger? Behold the feast he makes of himself, do you thirst? He has poured out so much of his love that all of your want will be washed away in the waves of it, he calls you masterpiece as if he wasn't already an amazing artist. The God who speaks creation like first language, who stretches dirt into mountains and organizes valleys. The God who hung the sun just far enough away to create a sky out of a distance. He made you with just as much care and then some. diligently designed every distinction down to the details. Image of God, beautiful, what's flawless. Doesn't need to filter your work of art. The product of a job well done, made in the image of a God who loves you like a selfie. He's proud to post. He formed you from the dust out of the earth that you will reside just to show what's on the surface, cannot hinder what's inside. He calls you special. Like many are called, but few are chosen. He calls you precious. Like a merchant willing to sell everything he has just to find you, he calls you blessed. Though many would try to deny it, would try to steal your best days and hold them hostage, would pray darkness into your story and hope it swallows every chapter of who you are. But God speaks light, calls you by name and illuminates every syllable. Let's the radiance dance off of his tongue as he tells your tale to tomorrow and make sure that every second of today knows just how special you are to him. He calls you friend though it be a broken word here, that we treat it like a cure for our own personal loneliness, treat them like an it to satisfy our whims, a means by which we appease a hunger, call them taste buds. We treat people like options. Trust be a hard shore to find when sailing on self-centered waters, and yet we find ourselves surprised when these relationships fail to stay afloat. But God speaks of friendship with a voice that has calmed the seas, whose feet have stood upon the water and whose hands invite us to join him. He says, I am here for you. No matter what storms you face in life, we'll face them together. He says, I'll walk with you and carry on the days and your feet can't stand the journey. When you're too tired to follow well and you struggle to walk in the right direction, he calls you pardoned, calls you forgiven, calls you bought by a tremendous and unimaginably valuable price in spite of the insufficient labels that this world will try to paint into you. Your name has been inked into God's heart in a grace that will never fade. So when they say broken, he calls you healed. When they say failure, he calls you redeemed. He calls you his child, like a father whose arms have no better job than to hold and protect you, calls you daughter, calls you son, calls you bought by his love and his grace. One day, friends, one day. One day he will say it is finished. He'll speak of good and faithful servants and tell them how well they've done. He'll smile bright with a mouth filled with infinite rainbows. His lips stain the color of kept promises and he'll stand before a countless audience of those who've heard his voice and laid down their lives and their names. And on that day, he'll call you home, call you close. Call you his, call you to live forever in his presence and find rest forever in his kingdom, a place that he's prepared just for you. And you will hear it and you'll be glad. Joy will spring up from your heart and flow out of your mouth and you'll declare, I am his. I am his. I am his. He calls me. I hear his voice and I know I am his.